Hi, I'm Lucas Mack. I'm a former TV reporter, a published author, TEDx speaker, musician, advertising agency owner, and management consultant. I'm also a former Christian preacher who dedicated 15 years of my life searching for truth and love. I've done a lot of work to heal, and I'm on a mission to see the hurting get healed and the healed go out and heal others in order for all of us to experience the true love and light we desire. This podcast is me sharing my journey with you so you don't feel alone in your journey. Welcome to the Golden Rule Revolution. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you for joining. I hope you're enjoying these episodes. I'm I'm having such a good time bringing these episodes to you. And today's episode's a little bit shorter. I've I've been having some longer episodes um, lately, but today's episode is shorter, but very inspirational. I have on Bo Whitman. Bo is a super athlete who at the prime of his athletic career is a D1 athlete, um, the U.S. um, national team. He'll he'll get into his story, but was diagnosed with cancer, a rare form, um, stage four. And he is now um, one of the most inspiring people I've ever encountered. He's going to share his story. It's beautiful. So without any further delay, here's Bo. Welcome to the Golden Rule Revolution podcast. How are you doing? Dude, I'm doing great. I'm excited to talk. I'm excited to be here today. It's going to be a lot of fun. So, um, <laughs> my, hold on, my old time, I got a, I have a deaf and blind uh, old dog and he just, he figured out how to push through my door in my office. So That's impressive. I have a eight month old Siberian Husky that is ginormous and all he wants to do is be with me. When he's not with me, he howls and I'm very impressed that he's not howling right now. (laughs) Totally. Totally. You know what it is. Um, So let's uh, tell me where, where did you grow up? Share with everyone your, your background. Background. Let's see. I'm one of seven. So I have four older sisters, two younger brothers. I'm from outside Philadelphia right now, um, but I grew up in Coopersburg, um, PA, uh, right outside of Quakertown, and wow. grew up there for a while, then moved to Philadelphia, outside Philadelphia, and I've been in the city for the past six years. Wow. So. What uh, what was it like? I mean, didn't uh, Billy Joel sing about Cooperstown and uh, all that area? I think he had some yep. songs about it. What What was that like growing up in that Rust Belt area? it was like, it was fun. It was like kind of, we were kind of like open land, open like farmland territory, I guess you could mm. say, because we like weren't in a city, weren't in like a suburbia where like, it took us like 10 to 15 minutes to get to like the city or like the town like near cool. us, which was a lot of fun. But I was only there until I was about 13, 14. Wow. So I wasn't there too long. Um, as one of seven, what was some of the things that you've learned um, growing up with a lot of siblings that you've taken with you with your adult life now? You can never be too competitive. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's great. Oh God. That's that like the first thing that comes to mind. Um, I mean, that is, that's definitely one. I think the biggest thing I've learned though from my, my family is uh, that shaped me is that I've become like a pillar for people in terms of uh, just listening and like helping people out, even if I didn't know the answer to something, I was always willing to try and find 
the answer for them or help them to find that answer. That's always been like the stronghold, no matter what was going on with any of my sisters or siblings or mom and dad, it was always comes back to me and be like, okay, what do we do next? That was always that like holding of the foundation together. I felt like. Well, that, that gets right into um, talking about solution and, and really staying in the, in your power. Yep. Let's, let's get into your story about your cancer and how that, how that happened and how you've, I mean, tell us the journey of that. I mean, I say this and people kind of like spooked by it, but I laugh every time I talk about it because the first time I was diagnosed, the first diagnosis I got was like a very bad, it was, I was told I had a year and a half to live. They probably wouldn't even treat me. It was stage four non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And when the doctor told me this, it was at one o'clock in the morning, I was in the ER because the doctor sent me to get scans because I had like some of my lymph nodes were swollen and he was like, they shouldn't be this swollen, but let's go get checked out. You're sick. You dropped 12 pounds for a Olympic weightlifting meet that you're trying to compete for nationals with. Like, it makes sense that your body's like not doing well. And you did it. You dropped the weight safely. And then at one o'clock in the morning, the guy, the doctor came around. It was like a scene from a movie. Like one of the nurses we knew and she was crying. And I was like, mm-hmm. okay, I got up and I was like, mom, something's bad. She goes, don't say that. The doctor comes around and tells me the news. And my first reaction is I laughed and I was like, of course, this is what happens next. Mm. And I like, I laughed for a second and then I looked at him and was like, all right, well, am I being admitted into the hospital? Am I going to the cancer? The Aspen Cancer Center was like down the street. I was like, where am I going? And the guy looked at me. It was just like dumb about it. He was like, you're being way too optimistic. Like, this is how bad it is. And my mom used to work in a hospital growing up and Mm. immediately got up and was like, let me see the scans. Like, no. <laughs> and it was one of those things where it didn't become real until I saw her face. Like I couldn't see the scans myself, but you could just see like the mother, when she gives that look, it was like everything snapped into reality. And mm. the first thing I told myself, and I told my mom the same thing. I was like, listen, nothing's different. I'm just injured. We've gone through six reconstruction surgeries together where people told me I'd never be able to lift anything above my arm. I'd never be able to flip, handstand, never be able to be the same again, but I proved them all wrong. And you know what? Like, this isn't real until I'm in a bed, my head is shaved, and I have an IV in my arm. Yeah. Like, that's, that's when everything's real. Um, and it, I sat with that news for three and a half weeks almost until I got the final biopsy back. And they found out that it was a super rare form of germ cell cancer, which is a hundred percent curable. Thank wow. God. And, um, wow. I have just had to go through four and a half rounds of heavy chemo. And then I had to do two major, uh, lymph node dissections, uh, through my stomach and chest and then through my neck. That's why I'm wearing like my patch still. Um, so my stomach and chest, and I just finished all that up and I'm currently in remission as of the end of February. Yeah. And I have, I have scans next week. So this coming week, I have to go back to the city and do all my scans and everything again. And it's kind of nerve wracking. Yeah, brother, I bless you and your body. I just bless you with love, brother. I bless your cells with love, your body with love, your soul with love, your heart with love, your mind with love. It's going to be good, brother. It's going to be good. Only way to go is up now. That's right. That's right. So, I talk a lot about spirituality in this podcast because I find it is the missing 
component in society. No one wants, everyone wants to talk about materialism or our physical or, you know, realm, but it's that spiritual side that, um, like you said, thank God. And it's interesting where it's such a flippant comment that we make, you know, it's a vernacular that we speak, but truly thank gratitude is being grateful for something outside yourself, right? You didn't have the yeah. power to do that. You were just thankful that something, you know, ethereal, esoteric, benevolent, something bigger than you, you connected with in that moment. So Talk to me about your growing up and, and uh, your view of God. Did you grow up in a Christian home or any religious aspect at all? Or tell me your, your background. Yeah, I grew, I grew up in a Christian home. Uh, I was an altar boy way back ah, when. Yeah, yeah I, was an, I was an altar boy. Went yeah. Hardcore. Yeah. <laughs> I went, uh, went to Catholic school. I, was, I went to a Catholic high school as well. Um, and it was crazy. I used to have a very big belief in God and you know there is a greater being above us and ever, and but after when I was 14 I had my first shoulder reconstruction and it was like I had like this is my dream I want to I want to go to the Olympics and I want to go to US national championships and then I got hurt and then I like tried to come back again and then a year later I had to get my other shoulder done mm. and then it was like okay now I'm going to change my goal I'm going to become a D1 athlete I'm going to go to NCAA. I'm going to go to nationals for the other, these other events. And I started training and then I got all these D one scholarships and then I got hurt again, lost mm. all my scholarships, built myself back up, still made it into a D one school, wanted to go farther and like pursuing other things, but got hurt again. And then mm. again, like after a grad, it was like every step of the way, it was like, you know, take a step forward, three steps back, yeah. you know how it goes. Yeah. And yeah. every, I think it was about, I think it was the third time my third surgery was in high school. I literally just dropped everything. And I was like, no, it's like, I'm done with this. It's like, I'm, mm. I'm stopped believing But then it kind of pivoted. Cause my, my mom always told me like, whenever anything bad happened in the family or anything wrong happened with anyone or just something very negative, it was her first response was always like, everything happens for a reason. Like you're going to see it. Like it yeah. doesn't mean it's going to show you in like a week from now. Mm -hmm but it's going to happen. And like, you'll mm -hmm. see, like everything's going to come back to one moment. Yeah. And it was crazy because looking about everything. And when people asked me, like, what was the best part about your cancer journey? What helped you throughout the whole entire thing? And honestly, like all these six surgeries building up is what really helped me. And it was like, it was amazing how like thinking back and I, God may, maybe his plan was for me to do all this. So that when I face this humongous hurdle in front of me, it was going to be easy and it wasn't going to be this hard battle. And you know, it's beautiful, oh. brother. I mean, just hearing your story, how many lives will never hear the doctor speak in the same tone that he spoke to you because you had a different perspective and then look at the result from your perspective. Maybe that doctor doesn't give that ominous, <laughs> dire narrative. Maybe he's changed and maybe his change then affects his close loved ones and his close. Yep. The ripple effect is so I get chills when I think about it, brother. Like you don't know who, who you change just by being the light that you are just by yep. being positive, just by literally changed. Yeah. 
And that's where Jesus says, you know, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. He doesn't qualify this. If people talk about like, do you become light? Do you have to believe in something to be light? No, you begin as light. Then the world comes and dims it all and says all these things and you're this and you got this. And and then we get into this place where like, this sucks. I don't want, I hate all this. And and then it's like, yeah, you were supposed to hate all this. Realize you're the light, be the light, love people. Well, it's funny because it happened. It happened again because I was in I was in PA, the doctor first. Then I went to MSK Sloan in New York City, and mm-hmm. I went to this guy, and he was like the best in his field for the surgery that we knew we had to get. And I remember going in. It was, it was me and my two sisters, my mom, my dad, and my brother. And I'm in there. I'm sitting in the chair, and I'm like making them laugh. I'm just having a good time with everything going on, kind of busting cancer jokes out left and right, even though they're <laughs> getting sick of them. And this doctor walks in and he does this thing where he like scans the room and he stops. He goes, hang on. I have the wrong room and like leaves. And then he comes back. He goes, Whitman. I'm like, yeah, that's me. And he goes, he looks at his, he's like, let me see the file. He looks at the file. He goes, there's no way this is you. I'm like, no, it's me. I'm the one with cancer. And he's just like, like I, you are the last thing I've ever expected. He was like, you are like the top 2% of the worst cases I've ever seen for this type of like cancer. And like, he was like, even like, come on. And we even looked at the scans. He was like, here's your, here's your scans. It's everywhere. <laughs> he was like, wow. I've never seen wow. it. It was crazy. He was like, he was like, you were just having a blast in this room and you caught me by surprise. And it was like, usually people that I see that have this disease are like overweight or just like not in shape and just like very, a lot older or a lot younger. Like I've never seen someone in your physical condition and you're just doing this too. Um, so it was very interesting seeing how, like, I had that with my oncologist too, how just to catch people off guard with just being you and not letting a situation, like, you know, wow. be so negative. Right. In the, in, I mean, what dark moments did you experience? Hmm. So there's a couple. And this, I love talking about this stuff because I have a ton of people that I get messages from on my Instagram or Facebook that say, you're so overjoyed. You're so energetic, but like you never show the dark side you talk about it, but like we've never seen any of like the bad states or like mm-hmm. the dark sides. And like, I remember there's, there's one point where I called my best friend up in the city and I was like, his name's Holden. I was like, Hey man, I sit down for a second. And I didn't tell him like I had a year and a half. I was like, what's something we can do in the next year? Like we know I'm going to be in recovery, but what places can we go to? Like if we could do stuff. And like he didn't know at that time, but like, it was like at the three and a half week point where I started to be like, okay, this is real. Like mm. there's a 99% chance I have a year and a half left. Like I was on the Google doc writing like the things I'm going to do in the last year and a half. Like I hit almost my rock bottom and it was interesting because he kind of tweaked onto it and was like, wait a minute, are we making like our last will kind of a thing? He was like, close this off. No, I'm hanging up on you. Like we're not doing this kind of a thing. And it right, like kind of snaps you back into reality. It was like, yeah, why am I doing this? Like we don't have the biopsy yet. Like there's still a small chance. And even if it does turn out to be wrong, then I'll sit down with everyone and do this. Like we won't, I won't do it alone. Um, that was one example. Another example that I had was, uh, something that I recently overcame was I had a lot of, um, mental roadblocks or it's not PDST, but there's a new, new slogan for it or term for it. Um, mm-hmm. where I had a lot of breathing attacks after my major surgery, cause I had, my lungs were completely compromised from 
the chemo that I had, so it was super hard to breathe. I just had my whole entire, from my chest cavity all the way down to like my, my hip fully opened up. Um, and I couldn't breathe. And like every once in a while I'd get to the point where it's like, can't breathe your body's shaking. And you're kind of in that like outer body experience where you're like, you can't control anything and you're just sitting there. And it's that frightening phase of not being in control. And I had to deal with that recently when I started working out two months ago, because whenever I went for a run or started working out, when I started losing my breath and getting to that point, I would like hit the floor and go into like a state of shock because I was, in, I was like, I'm not gonna be able to breathe again. Where's an oxygen mask? What's going on? Hmm. Um, those are like the two big things I had to deal with, I think, um, in terms of like that negative dark place. I mean, the best thing that helped me was just being open. I remember I was scared first about the chemo and then scared about the surgery. And I remember day one walking into the doctor and I was like, this is what I'm scared about. Tell me what I don't need to be scared of. Mm. And the doctor told me, so the, my oncologist was like, the chemo isn't that bad. He was like, yes, you'll be tired. Yes, you do this, but don't believe anything you see in the movies. So it's so overrated in the movies. Mm. And then the only thing that did scare me was the surgeries. Cause I was like, this isn't going to be that bad. I've had six reconstruction surgeries. Like I have, a pound of metal in my body. Like it's not going to be that bad at all. I've recovered from worse at a young age. And I remember telling my doctor this and he looked at me and laughed. He was like, kid, that's like getting a scratch. He was like, this surgery is like top three, one of the most painful things you'll go through in like any surgery wise. And he was like, this is no, not going to be a walk in the park. Just know that. And that's kind of like the bit that's, that was like the third biggest thing that kind of freaks me out. But mm. I mean, every day I just remind myself, you know, everything happens for a reason. I got to center myself and put yeah. myself in that good balance of positivity. And how old are you right now? 28. Young buck. Love young it. buck. I know. Young, young buck. buck. <laughs> yep. I love it. Um, so you talked about um, affirmations, you know, before we started recording, just talked about like how you ground yourself. What Walk me through like what you say. How do you mentally get grounded and, and aligned? when you get off course? Well, it, change, it changes a lot. It, it depends on, it's evolved a lot over the time from every surgery because when I grew up as a, I was a competitive gymnast for 10 years and I was a, on the US, uh, US national junior team one year and that's when I quit. Mm. And we were brought up like, when you got hurt, you shut the hell up and you yep. didn't tell anyone. Like it yep. you, yep. you sucked it up and it was like, if you got hurt, you walked in the locker room, you know, you cried out, you yep. didn't show anyone, cried, you taped yourself up and then you just went back into working out. And yeah. I, I had to live with that for a while from when I was like four years old, all the way till I was like 15 when I quit, 16 when I quit. And then mm. after that, every surgery, I started opening up a little bit more, a little bit more and kind of like reaching out for help. And the grounding became part of what everyone thinks like your grit is like, I'm going to prove everyone wrong. Like whenever I got upset or whenever I was in the weight room and like something started to hurt, I'd say, okay, I'm going to take a day off. And then tomorrow I'm going to hit it twice as hard because I need to just tell everyone that I can do this and show everyone that I'm going to do this because like, there's always a way around something like my last surgery before my cancer, I had my wrist. I blew out my wrist right a week before comp like my competitions try and qualify for uh, AOs. And um, what's AO? I remember, um, American open. It's wow. so it's a, there's different series for nationals for Olympic weightlifting. And I went to this one doctor and he was like, 
we're going to have to cut you up from like here to here, put a plate in. You'll never handstand again. You'll never oh, clean. You'll never snatch. You'll never do anything overhead bearing on that hand again. I was like, nope. I literally was like, thank you for your consideration. I'm going to go see another doctor. And he was like, I'm one of the leading hand experts here in the U S mm -hmm. like, it's like, this is what everyone's going to tell you. And then I was like, this isn't going to happen. I reached out to this one guy that did my other wrist surgery beforehand. And then he came back saying, I can do something. It's very experimental, but like, you'll be able to hand thin, you'll be able to do this. And I did it with him. I had this whole surgery done. It went really well. I, I can handstand now. I can snatch, I can clean, I can do everything. And I was like, every time something bad happens, it's like, again, recentering and just saying to myself, everything happens for a reason. And then reminding myself to take a breath and just center. And it's like, when I say take a breath, like I remember growing up, like I was a very rambunctious kid and an annoying human being because I was so energetic. And that's why I think my mom threw me into gymnastics so I could just tire <laughs> me out. So when I get home, yeah. I just go to bed. Right. But she always would be like, Bo, count to 10. <laughs> whenever I was in trouble, she'd be like, go count to 10. And whenever any situations like that, I'll go do that. Or if I'm having a very bad morning, I'll like get my coffee. I'll like hold my coffee and just like breathe for 10 seconds or set mm -hmm. my phone for a minute and just center myself. And I see that so much in the world today in terms of like what people are dealing with, with cancer people or any situation. There's so many different words in our culture right now that are coined as such a negative term, like vulnerability or cancer. Like when you hear that, Mm -hmm. your body initially just goes crap or like it's like this mm -hmm. pitfall that mm -hmm. just happens mm -hmm. and within if you could take 15 seconds of just realizing okay i have this but this is what i'm going to do going forward this is what it's, i'm going to do one thing you can say what you're going to do next that situation won't control you that situation isn't going to do that negative negative form that's going to change your whole day your whole week your whole entire like life and that's the things I've been like trying to focus on those three aspects of just centering myself, counting to 10 or like, taking that breath and going from there. What is, um, what's your greatest desire? Oh, inspiring. Most likely. I mean, hmm. for the past couple of years, I've always like every year I do a life dump and I take like 10 to 20 minutes. And I just dump everything out. And it was funny. My one friend and you, I think, you know, her, Jess Glazer. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. She like introduced this, like she reintroduced me to this. And I was like, man, I do this all the time, but on a whole different level. And I think it's an amazing drill. And I do it though a different way. I don't do it with like my negatives and positives in life. I do it with like my dreams and goals. And I, I write down like what my goals have been in the past year and what my dreams have been in life. And I try to find what are the things that are similar? What are the things that keep going? And the one thing that always comes back to my center that really hones me in and makes me feel at peace is this whole proving people wrong aspect of not just inspiring myself, but the people around me. And that's what i believe what vulnerability is that's my the coin term that i like to that's why i define vulnerability as mm -hmm. because it really helped me 
especially with my cancer journey, because when I started opening up, I made it a goal that every day I would get on during my cancer journey, every day I would get on 15 seconds on my Instagram story and just say something negative, whatever I was feeling, taboo, scary, funny, stupid, chemo brain, like whatever it was, Mm -hmm. I would say it. And I have a list. Like I would, I would have like a check mark in like my, my book and I have there's like 200 and something. I forget. I haven't finished counting because there's still going, but I have 200 and something people that have reached out to me asking for help Mm -hmm. or that have said, with you being open for these 15 seconds, I could relate to this because of this, or they've reached out and helped me in some way, or I was able to reach out to them back and say, here, try this. Mm -hmm. And it was amazing how just that 15 seconds have really like can change someone's day, change someone's life at the end of the day. That's beautiful inspire means to be in the spirit and Paul wrote where the spirit of the Lord is there's liberty. And I don't use the word Lord as a Christian term. I mean, Lord being supreme that there's nothing above Mm -hmm. Lord. Lord is the supreme above all, which is love. There is no greater power than love. There is no greater force than love. There is no greater origin than love that love is the supreme. So when we're in where the spirit of love is, there's freedom and you sharing from a place of love, you sharing from a place of vulnerability. And I define vulnerability as having the courage to experience love in its purest form that we're not the, the strong man. I grew up the same thing, tough it out, grind it, you suck it up. You just Mm -hmm. grit it out. But the world doesn't need more macho men. The world needs more courageous liberators of souls. The world needs more men like you and I that have physical, capabilities and physical strength to take that mask off and say, this is me. This is my soul. This is my spirit. This is my thoughts. Like you're, you've done and look at the result. When you take your mask off, when I take my mask off, when we take our masks off as human beings, it gives other people to take permission to take theirs off. And no one wants to carry masks. I mean, literally no one wants to breathe through a mask. I don't know anyone even through this COVID thing that thinks it's the greatest thing since sliced bread to breathe through. Right. A mass. It's ridiculous. Um, also, though, it's ridiculous to live with this facade mask on. It's exhausting as well. And it's really beautiful for you to go through what you've gone through and just to share that naked honesty of what you've gone through. And that's, that's, that's the result that we all can make an impact with when we're open, when we're honest, when we share. So it's beautiful, brother. Yeah. And I mean, this happened a lot when I first moved to the city. I remember it was, and I was like this all through college. Like I had a huge front. Like I Mm. never really like opened up about like how I really felt like my pain wise in college. Like, like I lived in the sports medicine room. Like I was in there like two times a day for like, on average, like four hours a day, Mm. like just getting treatment done, recovering just from all my, I was a division one pole vaulter and the, the pressure on your body from like both my shoulders, my wrists, my knee, like I was a mess all the time. And also the wear and tear from just being a gymnast. And like, I was a mess. And I remember when I moved to the city, my first year there, I had like my college friends, I had my fitness friends. And I remember, I think it was like six months in, I remember going to like a social event with people. And I remember the next day I woke up and I had like my phone, like four texts from people I was with that night who are like my fitness friends. And they were like, Hey, we just want to be honest with you. Like, we would love to see more of the bow we saw last night. Like, we're really like, Mm. 
we don't know where that's been. And I was like, what do you mean? They were like, that was a completely different, like you have such a front on when you're coaching classes and when you're in like this environment and like when you're with your college friends or like the friends you grew up with in high school and everything, like you are a completely different person. And like, Mm. we're not saying like you're a bad person when you're in the fitness, but you know what I mean? It was like this completely different person. And you, you like, it's amazing that you're not being this person. And it took me a while, but over the years, I started opening up more, started to be that person more, starting to just be that fun, very annoying person at 5 a.m. <laughs> and yeah. um, it turned out to work out well. And I remember like people even saying that. And I had like the biggest compliment I had with this cancer going on is I've had people reach out to me being like the same people. I even reached out to me saying, hey, I just want you to know, like, we're so happy that you never changed who you were from day one finding out. Like you still got on the Instagram, you talked about all the funny shit that you do, like no matter what it is, like doing all these crazy things, like you never gave up, like helping people doing your jobs, like you were going through cancer and you still held events, held competitions, still were working, like you never changed who you were. So it took, took five years, but it takes, it's a road, it's a process. Our body and our mind is a muscle and we have to train it exactly just like vulnerability. That's right. That's right. It's beautiful, brother. So tell us about your coaching. I know you, you coach, you do a lot of stuff now. Um, what are you up to yeah. in the world? I'm, 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 I'm all over the place in the world. It's a great <laughs> thing. It's a, it's a great thing and a bad thing. It's no, a great thing. I used, to, I used to have eight jobs, but now I'm like down to one, <laughs> which is better. Um, so I coach regular um, fitness classes online. Uh, that's one thing I do just, you know, cause I want to coach still and do everything in general. But the thing that I created, um, like I said, everything happens for a reason is I created a program for cancer survivors. Mm. So it's called rebuild to inspire. Um, it starts off as a 30 day program, like a 30 day challenge, which can lead into a 60 day program after. Um, but it's taking cancer survivors after they're done their battle. There's this whole gap of what now. Mm. And for those of you that aren't, cancer survivors or going through cancer that are listening to this, you have to take a second to understand that people that are going through this, like their body and their mind goes through so much exhaustion and pain that, and I hear the biggest thing that I hear is when people hear that they're finally cancer free, they don't acknowledge it. They can't, it took me two months to accept that I was cancer free or like in remission right now. Because like when I remember the doctor told me, I was like, huh, yeah. Okay. I like, I laughed again. I was like, mm-hmm. It's like, it's not gone. Like, yes, I had this, like, I still want to see my scans. I still want to do. And like, I was so tired and just like out of it. And then he was like, you're free. Like we're going to wait and then you can go back to your normal life. And I was like, can I, like, am I going to be able to, like, I just had all this surgery done. I'm never going to be moving the same. I'm never going to be feeling the same. And like, my mind was all over the place. I was dealing with like breathing issue. And yes, there are programs out there that are like, self-help groups they can go and do like group therapy there are some kind of fitness stuff out there but not really it's more just yoga stuff so i decided to create a program that's go back to my roots of gymnastic strength foundation where it's no weights it's all body weight and you're working on stability and endurance just the lightest easiest form and then at the same time we're doing mindset drills and mindset like guidance and i bring in I bring several guest coaches that are either yoga enthusiasts. I bring in um, people that specialize in meditation. I bring some sort of mind over nutrition stuff. 
And we go through and we kind of get ourselves back into that zone of where we were. Like I do life dumps with them. We go over brain dumps. We go over different programs in terms of conquering the fears that we still surrounding ourselves with cancer and try to get to the point where we control our lives now and not the cancer because the cancer either like for me, I was lucky. My, my journey was about a year long. Um, hopefully that these scans come back, it'll only be a year long. Yeah. Um, and other people have been battling for six years, four years, 10 years. So we need to make sure that to remind them that they're in control of their lives and not the cancer. And I do that. And then I also do mindset coaching for people that are going through cancer as well. Um, so Amazing. all over the spectrum. Amazing brother. It's really beautiful. It's really beautiful. Um, When you say and when you think all things happen for a reason, what do you think that reason is? I know you, I asked you what your greatest purpose is that's to inspire, but what do you think the reason is? I think the reason is, it's two parts. I think it's to remind ourselves that we're, that we're all human to mm-hmm. begin with. Um, that's the first thing. And the second part that goes along with that, it's, it's the reality check. Mm-hmm. Um, and to explain that, I sat down with Nick Pags. I don't know if you mm-hmm. know of him. So Nick Pags, he's a, an amazing fitness instructor in the city and a mindset coach that I know. And um, amazing guy in my life. And I remember going to him <laughs> three, three months before I got cancer. And I sat down. And I was like, hey, man, I'm coaching 30 plus classes a week. I'm doing animation side gigs. I run my own competition. I'm helping CrossFit as a head staff member at different sanctioned events. I'm doing this. I'm doing this. I'm doing this. And he was like, bro, you need to slow down. Like, what do you want to do? And I was like, I want to help people. And like, that's, I was like, and I said, I like brought up my note. I was like, I help. And I was like, in the past four weeks, every week, I have helped over 800 people in the fitness community, just like by coaching classes. I was like, but that's not enough. I can do more. I want to be more focused on something. And I started working with injured athletes that lost their scholarships like I did and helping getting their mindset ready or rebuilding themselves to help get ready to get back into the college shape that they need to get in after Mm -hmm. losing like exactly what I did. And then I remember (laughs) he was like, all right, man, this is what you need to know. In the next three months, you've been working so hard. You're in a state of exhaustion right now. Like I can see you're tired. You're telling me right now. He's like, in the next two to three months, something's going to happen and it's going to snap you into reality. It's going to ground you. And let me tell you, three months later when I got cancer, he was my first call and I blamed him for giving me cancer. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's a joke. That's a joke. Yeah, he, yeah, hates when I say, he hates when I say it, but I joke about it because I'm like, hey, bro, you gave me cancer, but thanks. We'll see where this goes. <laughs> um, but it's funny because it's, it's all led to this moment of now I realize what I want to do. Like Mm. it's still like, I still have my life goals. Like there's still life goals I want to do. Like I want to become a division one coach in track and field. Like Mm. I want to be able to travel the world without, you know, worrying about money. Like I want to go back and do animation photography. Like I used to do while traveling. Like my sister and I have a dream that when we like hit 50, we'll retire and open up a dive shop because we're both advanced Mm -hmm. rescue divers. Like it'd be fun to like open up our dive shop, but everything comes back to when I, when you're stressing in life, these things happen for a reason to remind yourself that, okay, you need to stop reground yourself in life. And we think about it, like this happens to us without even realizing it, we've already termed it as something. It's called the midlife crisis. Mm-hmm. We all have it. We buy something and then we, we do it. And then we're like, 
what the hell was I thinking? Like kind of a thing. And we all, everyone does it. And it's amazing how different scenarios in life happen. And we don't realize it until we really like put ourselves into check. Like you might be in a serious relationship and your best friend gets married and you're like, okay, I need to stop and think maybe I should get married. Like there's different things that always happen that recenter yourself and ground yourself. And that's why everything happens. I think for a reason, personally, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's beautiful, brother. It's, uh, it keeps us humble and it keeps yep. us, keeps us focused outward to serve and, and bring the highest good that we can into this world. And I think your path and your story and, and what you're doing is so beautiful, man. And I'm so honored to have you on the podcast and everyone listening, please. Um, where can people find you? I know Instagram and, and where else? Yep. So they can find me on Instagram on um, bow.whitman or they can find me on my website at bowwhitman.com. Awesome. And I'll put, I'll put those in the show notes. Everyone just, just love this sweet brother. Just go give him love, DM him, tell him that you love him and uh, you're supporting him. And, and brother, you're such a beautiful soul. Keep going, man. You're very inspiring and, and uh, inspiring to me and just speak love over yourself, brother. Thanks speak man. Love over yourself. You are so loved, man. You are so loved. You are so loved. Just keep speaking love over yourself, over every cell in your body and just, bless yourself because you are worthy of that man you you got beautiful things ahead a brilliant light you are a brilliant light my brother Bo thank you so much for coming on everyone thank you for listening let's go guys let's go it's the it's the last week of July we got the dog days of summer in August you see all sorts of things swirling around in the national and global narrative politically and socially It's time for you to do the work, you to heal, you to find the inspiration, and you to be the greatest hero in your own life. Brothers and sisters, thank you so much for joining. I'll talk to you on the next episode. Thank you, brothers and sisters, for listening. For support in your journey, go to my website, lucasmack.com.